Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herth Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD. Our guest today is a dear friend, Sherry Stites. Sherry is a certified master athletic administrator. She's a longtime AD in the state of Texas, currently retired, but she is uh, still extremely active. She is the NIAAA Certification Committee Program Coordinator. I'll let her talk a little bit about that. And by the way, she's also a member of the NIAAA Hall of Fame. Sherry, welcome to the program. Hi, Jake. Welcome to my house, and thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity. Oh, well, absolutely. We're very excited to have you on. Well, as you know, these days are very busy for an athletic director, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you uh, grew up, where you went to school and college, and, and how you got involved in this crazy world of athletics. Well, I, you know, you asked that question, and I had to really think. It's been so long ago, right? Uh, I grew up in a really small farm and ranch community outside of Houston, Texas, in the pre-Title IX era, around 1965. And I had a male principal who decided that the girls in our school which at the time was only one through eight, needed something to do and keep us busy. So he began the, uh, the basketball program. As, you, uh, as a young one, I was really active in 4-H and, and youth rodeo, and, which was the, actually my chosen path uh, to adulthood until basketball got into my blood. So um, I fell in love with the six-man game. Do anybody out there remember the six-man game? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, well, let me give you a little history about that. Uh, OCR wanted to change those rules in 1958, but the great state of Texas waited till 1978 to change them, and Oklahoma and Iowa didn't change till the 90s. So uh, six-man games been around a long time. Uh, each year, my school added... Uh, a sport so they had a volleyball and I played they added track and I ran so uh, as my mom contends uh, the competitive gene growing up with all boys uh, was definitely shine she claimed that I would uh, compete to take the trash out most of the time she's probably right uh, however high school athletics took me on a journey and taught me lots of lessons that textbooks never could uh, I love being active and I, it tested me emotionally, I think, and 
taught me what leadership really is. Uh, as a very young age, I was encouraged always to ask myself, what is the right thing to do? Upon graduation, I uh, never wavered from my desire to teach and coach and attended Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas. I began playing basketball there, a freshman, but I got a, a career-ending injury very early. So uh, I had to stop playing, but rodeo was still in my blood. I still like to compete. So I went back to rodeo for a couple of years. Um, I graduated in 1974 with a double major in physical education and English, and I couldn't wait to start teaching and coaching. Well, uh, the rodeo background is uh, is very interesting. Uh, back in the 90s, I coached, uh, uh, taught and coached at Missouri Valley College uh, NAI school, and they had a, uh, a nationally uh, ranked rodeo program. And I was just so impressed with, I mean, there's no other word to say it, the toughness of uh, the guys and the gals on that rodeo team. So, uh, you know, well fun. done, Cherry. Very fun. It's good fun. We'll talk about... Um, those early teaching and coaching jobs and, and how that led into uh, eventually a, a career as an athletic administrator? Well, my first job actually was a private Catholic high school in Houston, Texas, and I, and I loved it. But if any of you know anything about uh, Christian schools, Catholic schools, the pay's not great. So I was always looking at a financial bump. So um, the downside to that job is I was named, named the coach the year after they won the state championship and all the starters left. <laughs> so I had, a, had an opportunity to, to build a team for sure. But I moved on to public education after a couple of years. And then in seven short years in public education, um, I went, uh, I finished my master's degree and was encouraged to go into administration. Right away, I became a middle school uh, assistant principal. It took me really, you gotta know this, Jake, this is true, it took me two years to walk down to the gym and spend time because I missed it so much. I'd get down there and I just have to turn around and walk away because I knew I probably left a little too early. Uh, I had the opportunity to open two new schools though as an administrator, which gave me so much experience and knowledge in that arena. In 1995, an assistant superintendent who had been my a past principal uh, came to me and said, you want to get back to the gym? And I went, how do I do that? And uh, I had no idea that they were looking for their first female assistant athletic director in soccer school. So, uh, and there it goes. At the time, uh, only 13% of the of women were in athletic administration across the nation. So uh, it was a bumpy ride, but uh, it was a great ride. In our profession, we, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentoring. Uh, and you've certainly been a mentor for me these uh, uh, many years I've been on certification. Who are some of your mentors, uh, coaches that you had back in the day or teachers or people that you've worked with? Uh, whose voice do you still hear uh, when you're talking to a group of people? What a great, what a great question. I. I don't think you get anywhere uh, without looking to others for guidance, Jake. And I guess I've always been that way. My parents and my grandparents, though, uh, were a great influence, influence, especially when it came to, to qualities like work ethic and finishing what you started. I'll share a little humor with you, though, that uh, this was in 1960, remember. But upon meeting, uh, uh, my parents were in the restaurant business and knew a lot of uh, 
business owners across the South. And upon meeting Dookie Chase, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but Dookie owned, she was an African-American restaurant owner in New Orleans. And uh, she said, she had this mantra, look like a girl, act like a lady, think like a man and look like a dog. And <laughs> I, tried, I tried to emulate that very early. You just had to work really hard to, um, to, get, to get where you were going. Uh, professionally, there are just too many to mention. I was a sponge and everybody knew it. Uh, and those who took the time to process everything with me were about making other people better. And I think I learned a lot of, from them about that. It's just, uh, if you need it, I want to try to give it to you. I was lucky to be surrounded by people who believed exactly the way I believed. And, and that was fortunate. Most profoundly, uh, they let me know that if I let my ego get a hold of me, it could narrow my vision and prevent me from learning from the mistakes that I probably needed to make. So um, athletic administrator colleagues that do not practice that scarcity mentality are my heroes because they would share everything with me. They would give me information. They would uh, divulge of the things that they had learned and wanted to pass it on. Uh, and you may not be surprised that there were tons of coaches who were instrumental in my career. Uh, but those are, as an athlete and as an administrator, the coaches that, that were on staff when I started as an assistant athletic director were heroic to me. I learned so much from them. And I don't really think they understood the power that they had in their hands. Um, they, uh, my practice, for them was always asking, um, you know, how would it feel to be coached by you? Your philosophy needs, needs to be developed on look inside first and how would you want to be coached and make that part of your philosophy. And we made a, a lot of progress and I made a tremendous amount of lifelong friends with those coaches and those administrators. You know, that, that word hero gets used quite a lot these days, but uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, you know, I, I look back at my own coaches and uh, yeah, they were heroes to me. And uh, I, I just think that's so important to stress the impact that, that we have uh, on people, you know, at any age, you know, student yeah. or teacher or AD. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, you certainly uh been able to view the profession of athletic administration uh, over the years uh from different angles you know as a a title nine uh student athlete uh teacher coach and administrator at the state and and at the national level um how has the day-to-day -day job changed for an athletic director from say uh, you know when you first got started uh, to now. Um, how is the job different? Wow. Uh, first of all, Jake, I don't know that I'd want, uh, I, I guess I'm just fortunate I'm not in this COVID realm because <laughs> I see this tremendous amount of, of work and adjustment you guys are having to take. But truthfully, from the minute I began, I could see the overwhelming challenges uh, that were before me because it was so different than what I had been doing in a school as an assistant principal. Uh, you're an educator first and foremost, so I never let that uh, uh, change. So however, the challenges of being an educator 
to coaches now as well as to students and parents became paramount in my repertoire. So I just threw myself into all kinds of reading, catching up, uh, what have I missed, talking to colleagues. I became, uh, and I'm sure you understand this and everybody out there, you kind of become a quasi-psychologist and an attorney and you become a contractor. You become all of these things that you weren't used to doing. Uh, that's when my own professional growth became a primary aspect of my philosophy and my dependence on the NIAAA, by the way. Um, the scope of work has grown exponentially and experience eventually leads to expertise. So therefore, as I, you know, in retirement, uh, I've done consultant work in Title IX evaluations. I'm um, adjunct professor at Ohio U. And every piece of what I still do uh, is just to serve coaches and, and those who want to become athletic administrators. Yeah, and again, you've uh, again had such an impact on my career, uh, but we won't go into that. Um, you had mentioned COVID, and certainly, you know, it's had an impact on schools and athletic programs, and we've seen such a wide variety of responses. Uh, across the country. Uh, some states uh, are looking at it business as usual. Uh, other states have, have moved the seasons around, football in the fall and baseball in the spring. Um, what's happening right now uh, in Texas? What's happening in your area with regard to um, schools reopening as well as return to play? Okay, well, you know, not being in the trenches, I'm not in the everyday. So I am, I do keep up. No, weekly with UIL. So what what I see is the smaller school districts, the 1A to 4A, they started earlier uh, and they're they're active right now. Our five and six A's are just now getting started. So uh, it's it's all over the place. We have schools around me, you know, Houston's a large area and we have a large school districts surrounding us. Um, that are all on different pages. They may be having all virtual school. They may have delayed sport. They may have, uh, it's just so different. Uh, if you're not keeping up and if you don't have those close connections with your colleagues, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, it's um, uh, in Florida, um, you know, our state association um, sus suspended, I guess, postponed athletics uh, for a month. Uh, and then we started as a state uh, technically on August 24th, but we still have parts of our state, um, you know, like Texas, it's a big state, um, that they haven't even been back on campus since they closed back in spring. Uh, there's been yeah. such an individual yeah. response. And so it's, uh, and all in the name of um, um, safety and sports medicine. Uh, I, I spoke to one of our state association reps. I said, you know, how can all these doctors, you know, have uh, the same information and yet they're coming to different conclusions? So I, yeah. I think that's been a frustration for ADs across the country. I'm, I'm extremely frustrated and I'm not, I don't have to deal with it. So I know how you guys must feel. It's amazing. Um, as you look at uh, the NIAAA today, uh, we just had our um, annual state coordinators meeting uh, through Zoom, uh, which is always great. Um, talk a little bit about um, the growth that you've seen in the NIAAA, let's just say maybe in the last 10 years or so, 
and where you see the organization, you know, really having an impact uh, in the coming years? Well, I think um, it's impact. If you've not if you've not jumped on board yet, then you need to jump on board as soon as you can, because um, I think I probably felt or you probably felt just like I did. Your first national conference was a aha moment. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you have all these courses, you have all these workshops, you have networking, you have opportunities to meet people across the nation and our foreign affiliates, by the way, uh, that have so much to give and so much to learn from you. So, um, and you, uh, being a, a, our vice chair of certification, know the pivotal junctures we've made just in a short amount of time with regard to electronic testing, with regard of um, study materials we have for everybody, uh, changing the test, adding to core course requirements. Uh, and so why do we add to core course requirements? Well, we made the decision, this is information a new AD just must have. They need this information to walk out. So uh, we can truthfully say, and I think you probably uh, feel this way as well, that we feel good about being a part of somebody's professional growth like that. Um, I don't see an AAA doing anything but going up and being even more touted as a necessary requirement for the school districts and go from a job description that reads required rather than um, you know, um, suggested. I've lost the word suggested. There you go, suggested. So um, anyway, that um, it's been a great organization for me and continues to be. You know, you've certainly been, uh, I think, instrumental in leading certification, uh, the surge in certification these last few years. Uh, for a young AD um, who's listening, uh, just you know, give a, uh, I don't want to say brief, but, you know, just give a, um, a PSA on why certification is so important, the process of certification. Yeah. Well, I think certification in general, uh, especially the certification from the NIAAA, just uh, shows a prospective employee the intrinsic and motivation that someone has to throw themselves into this. Because it is not, it is not to be taken lightly. You, it, you, to get your CAA, you must have four core courses, and these are the courses. And they, people need to educate the people that they are interviewing with that they have done everything possible to prepare themselves for a job that they know it's going to be um, instrumental to the success in their career. So uh, we see that a lot on the East Coast, and it's slowly moves across the nation uh, you know there's there's states who give a stipend for having a caa and that's what we'd really like to see we like really push that so we're doing an even better job at talking to those superintendents and those principals at their uh, conventions and their conferences to let them know this is who we are that they're not aware so uh, that's my psa Jake. Oh, that was, that was outstanding. Yeah, we just, yeah. Uh, you know, continue to uh, promote and communicate to those decision makers. Absolutely. People who are taking the courses. Uh, Sherry, we've been asking our ADs this question um, all summer, 
And uh, I'm curious on your take, because I know you are a, a true educator on this. Um, last spring, in addition to COVID, we saw just a, a tremendous increase in the awareness of social issues, social justice, if you will, you know, the events in Minneapolis and Atlanta, and then just recently uh, in Wisconsin. And, and my question is this, what are some things that we as athletic directors, what are some things that we can do better uh, to help in this area of you know, awareness and um, uh, you know, helping our communities? Well, first of all, I think being a good listener, you know, um, many, many times, uh, people, even as an assistant principal, I got into the habit of saying to a parent, what is it that you want from this conversation? Because sometimes you, you will you talk for an hour before you actually get down to what the real problem is. Um, so I would say that as an athletic director, I would want to every opportunity for a teachable moment that is it addressed because it, you're not going to get any anything accomplished uh, in basketball, football, whatever sport you're trying to coach. If you don't stop, everybody sit down, we're going to address this issue. If you've got to have that sort of relationship with your team and your administration, by the way, that says we need to really process all this. So are we all staying current on everything that's happening? If we have to stay current. Um, are we building our circle of influence with all, all these other people that could help us understand what's going out there? Because many times we are, I tell you from a suburban area that I live in, I see very little of the protesting. Well, I get my news from the newspaper, the internet, the TV. That's where I get my news. So it takes all of those sorts of things for me to try to understand what actually is going on out there. So, and you don't get it from one snippet of a video right. uh, that somebody's taken on, on the street. So you really have to take time and talk to parents, talk to kids and get the opportunity to see what is it that they want uh, their educational environment to look like, but especially the uh, opportunities that their children have in sports. Yeah, I've had many people, uh, you know, echo those same comments about the importance of listening and also, you know, the impact that, that sports has, you know, in this area. Uh, you know, it is, a, it always has been a great equalizer. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that. Well, gosh, this is just flown by, Sherry, uh, but we're not done. Okay. We always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. You are certainly an experienced AD and a Hall of Fame AD, but right now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Sherry Stice's athletic director toolbox? Wow, Jake. Uh, okay. Well, I, a lot of them I've already mentioned, and that, that's uh, make your place, make your current position a safe place for people. That, that would be number one. They need to know that when that door is open, they can walk through it and they can talk to you about it. And you're going to, to take that in. Um, keep people well informed. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And, and that comes down to communication. 
the more communication and the more ways you do it, the better. Making sure everybody understands. And infuse every position that you supervise with importance from the custodian to the um, to the ticket taker to the concession stand worker every single job is important and get in there and do the work do the work with them and show them that you uh, you need to understand what they do and it's important to you that they're there Tremendous advice, uh, words of wisdom. Thanks for sharing. Okay. Yes. Well, Sherry, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, I know you've got a, a lot of things going on down there. I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Thanks, Jake. I really enjoyed this. Okay. Well, to our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD podcast. Remember, the Zoom video of this podcast is available on YouTube. Thanks again for listening.